Well, the threat of war, of course, is uh, never far off in the Middle East, especially in Israel and the Gaza Strip, an area where uh, millions of Palestinians have lived under a blockade for almost 15 years now. Tensions have always run high, uh, but they exploded into deadly violence over this weekend, and it continues today. The violence there, there has now left more than 80 people dead in Gaza. Seven more have been killed in Israel. Uh, that's, you know, as of this morning, undoubtedly it's gone up since then as rocket attacks fired into Israel continue and airstrikes back into Gaza continue as well, uh, along with mobs rampaging through the streets. People are being lynched, dragged from their cars. It's, it is an absolutely horrific situation, and it appears to be escalating by the hour. Ferry de Kerkov is uh, joining us now. Ferry has a long, long history in international relations, a former ambassador for Canada, worked for the Foreign Service, Department of Foreign Affairs. He's a CGAI fellow, and he's going to try and get a little clarity around this situation for us, if that's possible. Um, Ferry, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate your time. With pleasure. Clarity? Sorry, I'm going to hang up. (laughs) Exactly, right? I mean, saying what started this, that's an impossible question, and it could go back a very, very, very long time. But let's just try and focus in on what's happened over the past few days, this latest round of violence that started over the weekend. What triggered this this explosion in violence? Well, how it started is that tension has been rising over this kind of impending eviction of some Palestinian families uh, from a disputed land in East Jerusalem. And, and then there's been an increasing set of skirmishes between Israeli and Palestinian in the old city of, of Jerusalem. I, there's, a, there's a lengthy discussion that has to do about the impending eviction. I don't know if we have until midnight, but we may get back to that one. But then you add to that two sets of events that converge. Last weekend, the Palestinian Muslims streamed to Haram al-Sharif for Ramadan prayer, which is a very holy site, as you know. And then a lot, lot of them assembling in, in a square called Laylat al-Qadr uh, on May, May 8. And, and, of course, all that to mark the, the revelation of the Quran to Prophet Muhammad. And so it's one of the most sacred night of, of Ramadan. Mm-hmm. But, but the, you know, we're talking about the whole Islamic calendar as well. Jerusalem is a city of importance to the Jews, to the Christian, to the, to the Muslim. And, and meanwhile, the, the problem, the, the, you had a confluent of timing, because the Israeli Jews were gathering ahead of Jerusalem Day on Monday. Right. They celebrate the unification of Jerusalem, which is, of course, goes to the heart of the pain of the Arab who've always thought the Palestinian that East Jerusalem was theirs. But ever since 1967 war, Israel Jerusalem was taken over entirely by 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 the Israeli and Netanyahu has insisted that it was the unified capital city of Israel even though the Palestinians have rights even though in international law you've had some de- denunciation of, of the occupation all that so and then you know add to the to the fire if it's possible the political crisis in both Israel and in in uh, in the Palestinian you have the the, the Palestinian authority so Netanyahu is, is still trying to become a, a yep. the prime, again for the hundredth time, no, sorry, for the fifth time, uh, the, the prime minister of his own country, the established a, a ruling coalition. He's been dismissed by President Rivlin because he couldn't assemble a majority. So all that is a, is a kind of a melting pot. 
and the problem is that he may be facing the end of his career, uh, and he no longer has the popular mandate. And on the other side, you have Mahmoud Abbas, who should have relinquished power, uh, I was going to say rudely, a century ago, but more than 20 years ago. He still clings to power, and he finally accepted to launch election, but of course the crisis with Hamas and within the Palestinian Authority, he had to cancel them once again, also in part because the Israeli refused to allow the, the, to allow an election to take place in East Jerusalem, even though it's a majority, overwhelming majority of Palestinians. I could go on and yep, on yep. and on, but I'll just stop for a moment. Yeah, and <laughs> you're, fair, you're right. Take a breath. <laughs> you're right. That is the thing about this situation. There is no end to the reasons for why we get to where we are. But I guess the focus, you know, that we have to take a look at is. It's the people. It, it, it's the people that have suffered for years and years and years and years. Um, they're the ones to pay the price for all of this geopolitical stuff that happens around the world and happens more specifically in that region. And they're the ones that constantly pay the price through this. And, and I have to underscore the fact that the ones who suffered most since, of course, the, the creation of Israel after the decision of the United Nations, UNSCOP, you wouldn't remind, remember the United Nations Commission on the, Palestine, on the Palestine, but basically ever since that time, the Palestinians have been chased or moved out, and they've never had a country, even though the, the, man, the, 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 the UN mandate is to actually create two states mm-hmm. living in peace and beside one another. And that, that two-state solution since 2002, after the two intifada, that is the uprising on the Palestinian side, has been the, the, the mantra of the whole conflict, even though neither Netanyahu, neither uh, his opponent believe today that there's, there's, a, there's a place for a Palestinian state. And this is what is very trying, in a sense that normally, uh, you, if, if that's the, the condition under which you're going to live, but you refuse to create a Palestinian state. Meanwhile, you've got settler expanding to the point where there's just a rump left. So there's a perpetual tension there. And, and, and I think that's one of the, the major problems that we're facing today. And the international community, particularly the Americans, have done actually very little to change the, the, to change the situation on the ground. They, you, if you remember, Obama was saying, oh, well, please, my dear Netanyahu, please stop the the, yeah, the, yeah. the settlement, and he played, and Netanyahu could play the violin on top of the head of Obama without any problem, and they, and that continues, and and the kicking out of a family from East Jerusalem is just a continuation of this attempt, basically, to control and make the whole former Palestinian mandate, that is, the whole area, becoming Israel. And you mentioned the international community. I don't think anybody has faith that uh, these two sides will ever be able to sit down and sort this out on their own. That's been proven time and time again. The international community, in, in response to what happened over the course of the weekend, the UN came out and said that they saw, thought some of the actions taken by the Israeli Defense Forces were unwarranted and disproportionate, and they were indiscriminate. They called on all sides to de-escalate. They actually had come to agreement on a, on a joint statement to be released yesterday, but it was blocked by the United States. So it seems like even the, you know, the international community can't seem to get a handle on this and come out with a clear directive. 
Absolutely, and as I, you know, there's 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 a, a, an American author, Charles Tilly, who once wrote that the American position has always been biased towards Israel, not necessarily uniquely because the strong the strength of the Jewish lobby in the United States, which is there evidently, but because you know, ever since 9/11, there has been this feeling. Of course, you don't say that publicly because this is not kosher. Mm-hmm. But you 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 basically there's a danger with the with the Muslim, 9-11, all that. And it's conflated into an attitude by the U.S. whenever there's a negotiation to treat the Palestinian and the Israeli on the same footing. But, you know, Israeli is an internationally recognized nation, powerful, economically successful, a brilliant success, no question about it. And on the other hand, you've got an, a Palestinian authority which doesn't even control, is not really a, a government of itself, it's an administration. And then you have the perennial issue of Hamas, which is that, that you know, which is actually a place where you've got more than the greatest population of Palestinians for now, in that tiny little thing that is not larger than the, the city of Toronto, right. uh, and, is, and is actually the one that continues the war against, uh, against Israel. And, and this is something that sometimes, you know what, sometimes I wonder whether it's not a bonus for Netanyahu to have this opposition which prevents any unity between the Palestinian Authority of Mahmoud Abbas and the, and the, and the Hamas guy. And in fact, it allows, it allows Netanyahu to say, listen, how can I even come to an agreement for, on, a, on a Palestinian state when these two entities, which form what the Palestinian is all about, can get together and, and get along? Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um- so where do we go from here? I'm hearing there, there may be something brokered through Egypt. That's typically how these things um, quiet down. Do you think this will continue to escalate, or is there a plan being worked on to try and de-escalate things and get us back to at least the well, uneasy tension? I, I just checked my crystal ball, and it refused to answer, so I'll, I'm going to create it on my own. <laughs> The, the, the point is that in 2014, the, 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 the conflict lasted for 50, more than 50 days, and you had over 2,000 deaths. Uh, the question is, in the present political circumstances, is it possible for the IDF and the Israeli Defense Force to actually get into Gaza and slam once and for all Hamas? Is that, is, are we going to do cast, cast lead, which we did in 2008, 2014, or is there an alternative? Until such time as the international community and the Palestinian Authority can convince this rump government, which is deemed terrorist by all, all nations, mm-hmm. uh, Hamas will finally, could they finally decide to say, okay, we accept that Israel exists and, and, and we're going to play ball. Until such time, we can, we, we, all the pious prayer that we can utter won't make much difference. And, 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 and the problem is that even on that score, the, the U.S. and the Russian and others can't do anything because Hamas is, you know, when they are slammed and beaten up for them, it's a victory. It's a continuation of the jihad that they maintain. It's the martyrdom mentality. The popu- meanwhile, the population of Hamas in, is, is being slaughtered. Their building is being demolished. It's, and, and, you know, the IDF, and I, you know, it's a war zone, okay? Mm-hmm. But the IDF does try to 
at least conduct these operations in as, quote, clean as possible. They, they, they announce when they're going yep. to strike a building, but that doesn't change much. You're still going to have 300, 400 uh, victims, and it's, it's going to be horrifying. So in answer to your last question, the Egyptians are usually the one who handle it. Mubarak was a great artist. He had Soleimani, who was his own Soleiman, who did a superb job. I'm not sure that the Egyptians are keen to get involved until there's a sense of slowdown in yeah. the explosion. They're smart enough not to put their finger in the middle of a fire. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, it's just uh, nobody wants yeah. to get involved. Ferry, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. With pleasure. All the best. Thank you very much. That is Ferry Derkerkov, who has a long, long history in the Foreign Service with Canada and uh, Foreign Affairs and served as an ambassador to Egypt.